This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Hello, I'm Libby Snymer. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. This week kicks off the 2012 London Olympics. It's the first time the city has hosted the game since the famous Austerity Games of 1948. I'll be joined by Dr. Norman Lane. He took home a bronze medal for canoeing in those 1948 games. He'll reflect on what it was like to represent Canada in post-war London and what he thinks of the games now. An iconic Toronto rock and roll landmark is getting a new lease on life, the famous El Macombo, a venue that hosted such fans as U2, Blondie and the Rolling Stones, has been sold. Coming up, the new owner, Sam Grosso, will talk about the history of the venue, what it means to Zoomers, and what he intends to do with the club. And speaking of rock and roll, the Collingwood Elvis Festival is on this weekend. It's the biggest Elvis tribute festival in North America. Our friends at Carp are there all weekend long, taking in the celebrations, and we'll touch base with them. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. On behalf of all the families, I have asked the International Olympic Committee for almost 40 years for a minute of silence in their memory. For these men who went to the Munich Olympics in peace, friendship and sportsmanship and who lost their lives. That's Anki Spitzer, the widow of Andre Spitzer, one of the Israelis killed by the terrorist group Black September at the 1972 Munich Olympics. She was one of many people leading a campaign for a moment of silence to be included in the 2012 London Olympics opening ceremonies. These games mark the 40th anniversary of the tragedy. Eight Palestinian terrorists snuck over the wall and into the Olympic village, shot two of the Israelis immediately, and took a group of 10 hostage. Their goal was to exchange the hostages for the release of 234 Palestinian prisoners held in Israeli jails. However, all the Israeli hostages were killed in a botched rescue attempt by German authorities. Since those games, Anki Spitzer has tried without success to get a moment of silence included in every Olympic opening ceremony. She thought that this year, the 40th anniversary, might be her best chance. Despite massive support for the plan, the IOC rejected the proposal once again. Ian Miller was one of the Canadian athletes participating in those turbulent 1972 Munich Olympics. They were the equestrians' first trip to the Olympic Games. Now at 65, he's setting a record by competing in his 10th Olympiad. This year, he'll compete in both individual and team jumping events with his horse, Star Power. His last trip to the Summer Games brought him his only medal, a silver in the team jumping event. 
The United States of America spends far more on health care than any other country on the planet, and a new look at those numbers finds that there might be a massive amount of overspending. The Institute of Medicine estimates that in 2009, the country spent about $210 billion on unnecessary medical services. Many of these services are repeat tests. For instance, someone with a sprained ankle might end up getting two MRIs from two different specialists. The same goes for blood tests, x-rays, and CT scans. And finally this week, pancreatic cancer took the life of another luminary. Sally Ride was the first American female astronaut to travel to outer space. She joined NASA in 1978, working as a capsule communicator on ground level during space shuttle flights. Then in 1983, she was part of the crew of the Challenger mission to put several satellites in orbit. At the age of 32, she was not only the first American woman to travel to space, but also the youngest American sent to space, a record she still holds today. She was 61 when she passed away last Sunday from pancreatic cancer and is survived by her partner, Tam O'Shaughnessy. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. While the whole world watches the Olympics, for one Ontario Zoomer, it's a trip down memory lane. 92-year-old Norman Lane won a bronze medal in the 10,000-meter canoe race the last time the Games were held in London. It was 1948. The world was just recovering from the Second World War, and they were dubbed the Austerity Games. I reached Norman Lane at his home in Hamilton. First of all, Dr. Lane, please tell us what you remember of the 1948 London Olympics. London was still kind of beaten up with uh, debris around the uh, side of the roads, but most of the roads themselves were clear and the underground was working. The highlight was the um, presentation of the medals. The medals were given at uh, Wembley Stadium. There were about 50 or 80,000 people in the stadium, and the great thrill for me was uh, going up to the podium and getting the medal and having the Canadian flag go up on the standard and the Canadian national anthem, O Canada, was played, and it was such a moving circumstance for me that my eyes watered. And what were you thinking at that moment when you got the medal in these first post-war games? Well, I I was was thinking that uh, it was a wonderful experience. Everything was done for us. They had no butter, hardly enough to eat, and yet at the uh, residence where we stayed, we had uh, anything we wanted. So we we were treated especially uh, wonderfully well, and uh, British people themselves, I have some relatives there, and uh, went to visit them, and uh, they'd been bombed out twice, and their house was rebuilt each time. Tell me about the race. It was a kind of uh, light rain in the race, and we went around a, a course which was a a mile each way, so it'd be two miles in one loop, and there are three loops, so six and a quarter miles altogether. Wasn't there an issue that when you saw some of the other boats, you you figured you weren't going to win because the design of their boats were superior? That was true. The Czechoslovakians brought two boats with them, and the boats were built with a slight curve, 
and uh, their candidates were right-handed paddlers, so the boat was designed to swing to the right a little bit when, when it was shoved forward freely in the water. And so the paddlers didn't have to steer. Normally, when you're paddling a canoe, you fishtail at the end of each stroke. But uh, these uh, boats helped them to avoid that, so they're able to put in the strokes faster and uh, without worrying about steering. And they had two of those boats, and uh, one of them was loaned to uh, Frank Havens, who was a U.S. competitor. There was quite a considerable advantage there. And you didn't complain about it? Well, we did, but they, uh, they decided to let them use them anyway, so the complaint didn't help any. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's great if you got the bronze. Amazing. Yeah. Anyhow, after, for the next Olympics at Helsinki, they didn't allow them. The Olympics is 64 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a long time. And what do you think as you uh, prepare to watch them this weekend? Well, I think that uh, Vancouver will uh, probably win a medal. There's a chap uh, from Nova Scotia who, in, in single blade, she could could uh, could win a medal. So I think we have two good chances. I gather that you are still canoeing. Well, not really. I I was I have a cottage north of Kingston, and I was in the canoe yesterday uh, for a while. So, so but that is canoeing. The balance is not that great. So I didn't do anything much, just uh, puttered around. Dr. Lane, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, then. That's 92-year-old Norman Lane. He won a bronze medal for Canada at London's 1948 Summer Olympics. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break and then return with a look ahead at the new life of a historic Toronto rock and roll club, the Alma Combo. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. For a long time, Toronto's Alma Combo was the place to see some of the world's best rock and roll bands. Jimi Hendrix, Elvis Costello, U2, The Ramones, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Blondie and Meatloaf are just some of the performers who graced its stage. It also had a famous role in Canadian politics. It was the venue where Margaret Trudeau first hooked up with the Rolling Stones after a soon-to-be-announced split with Pierre. However, it was sold in 2001 and half of the venue was turned into a dance studio, while the other half lost the rock and roll charm it once had. Now it's just been sold again, and its new owner, Sam Grosso, is vowing to take it back to its original form. I talked to Sam earlier this week. When did you first have the idea that you would like to buy and to revive the storied El Macombo? business partner of mine brought it to the table and um, I'm kind of really happy just owning the Cadillac Lounge out in the Parkdale area. But when when there's an opportunity to buy a legendary music venue, not just in Toronto, but like probably one of the most legendary music venues in all of Canada, maybe North America, I was really excited about it. And it's kind of sad what happened to it. It's kind of really, really been neglected. And um, even now, a lot of people that I've talked to, 
they thought it was closed. They thought it had been closed for 12 years. What makes you think it's the right time for it to come back? Well, I've always been a nostalgic freak. When you think about the Omicombo, you think about, you know, the Stones. You think about Steve Ray Vaughan and Elvis Costello and all these great, great bands, the Ramones uh, that played here. You know, it's like, uh, this is the Vatican of rock and roll in Toronto. It's, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing place. And uh, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of renovations, a lot of aesthetics, and a lot of money. We've got to renovate the bathrooms. We've got to get that neon, iconic sign resurrected. That itself is going to cost twenty grand. Hey, apparently. you know what? That's that's the cost of doing business. You know, if if you know we want to be contenders in this, and we want to show people that we're serious about getting this place, you know, back on track, that's what we're going to do. You know, this is not about making money. This is about getting music culture back here in the city. What is your vision for the club? My vision is to bring this back to say, nineteen seventy-seven. This was the heyday of the Alma Combo. This one. All the great bands were playing here. Bring it back that way, a cleaner version of it, a place where it serves food. People can come out for an early show. They can come out for a late show. They can come for a dinner and a show. And you're not going to be afraid to go to the bathrooms because they're going to be brand new. They're going to be, like, renovated. They're going to be clean. You know, your your date is going to say, oh, this guy took me to this great venue, the Alma Combo. I had a great time. And the bathrooms were clean because we all know Ladies love clean bathrooms. <laughs> Am I right? You have a thing about that. <laughs> yeah. Have you reached out to the Stones or anybody else who's played? Have you heard from any of these well, people? Nick is on my speed dial, but uh, he hasn't answered my calls yet, so maybe he's rehearsing for the next tour. I'm not really sure. Uh-huh, but but uh, but if they wanted to play at the Elba Combo, you're, you'll talk? If they wanted to play here at the Elba Combo, I would roll out the red carpet or whatever color they want. I would be happy to have the Stones here. Okay, well, we, we look forward to the reopening. Please uh, keep us uh, in the loop, and uh, well, I, I can hardly wait to see those bathrooms. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I want to tell everybody in Toronto to support live music, not just here at the Alma Combo, but every live music venue in Toronto. Please go out and support live music. It's very important. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That was Sam Grosso, the new owner of the Elma Combo. You can follow his renovation progress online at elmacombo.ca. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. We'll take another break, and then it's back with your international arts date book and a look at the Collingwood Elvis Festival. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It's now time for the International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, it's Bob Merrill and George Abbott's 1957 musical based on Eugene O'Neill's Anna Christie. New Girl in Town stars actor Cliff Bemis. New Girl in Town takes place in 1926 in New York, uh, down in the harbor in the, uh, in, with the uh, barges and uh, uh, the tugboats. It's that world of hard-drinking sailors, both the men and the women. New Girl in Town is at the Irish Repertory Theater on West 22nd Street. 
As the world arrives in London for the Summer Olympics, the Festival of the World continues. It has everything from the largest ever poetry festival to an urban beach with a twist. London's South Bank Center has been transformed to show visitors how art can transform lives. And in Sydney, Australia, the grand production of Aida is on stage at the Sydney Opera House. The title role is played by the powerful soprano Latonia Moore. I'm Jane Brown with the International Arts Datebook. Thanks, Jane. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. Elvis may have left the building a long time ago, but he's being spotted all over Collingwood. The 18th annual Collingwood Elvis Festival is underway, and CARP is playing a big role. Anthony Quinn, CARP's manager of community development, is manning the CARP booth. Anthony, how are you? Libby, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Set the scene. What's going on there? Sort of a street party and ticketed events with Elvis impersonators, better known as Elvis tribute artists. And it's just a great street festival in the heart of Collingwood. Is everybody there a Zoomer? You know what? I would say the majority of people here are Zoomers, but there are lots of young families and lots of grandparents with their grandchildren. What is CARP doing there? Well, like you mentioned, this really is a hotbed for Zoomers. Uh, Elvis was a product of that generation, and his fans continued to love him many, many years after his death. So they're out here celebrating Elvis, and CARP is here along with them uh, to spread the message about CARP, to let them know what's happening with Zoomer magazine, and to get new members and talk to members who are already uh, happy with their CARP membership. I'm actually dressed up like Elvis myself at the Carp Tent, so come down and see me this weekend. <laughs> Describe your outfit. Which Elvis are you? I haven't put on too much weight yet, so I'm probably a 25, 35-year-old Elvis right now. Uh-huh. What are you wearing? It's uh, long sleeves and sequins and showing way too much chest hair. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, uh, you have to send us a photo. I'm sure that's quite the treat. I'll, I'll post it on the carp.ca and Zoomer website. Obviously, uh, it's, uh, you're not just talking about Elvis. Well, no, we're talking about uh, issues that are important to aging Canadians. Uh, many members coming by the tent asking a bit more about the benefits that are available to CARP members. And we're talking about some of the issues that are important to them, such as health care and old age security. Are those the big things that are coming up at the booth? So far, it's been the benefits. What kind of discounts can I get as a CARP member? And we're happy to explain what some of those great benefits are. The biggest benefits available monetarily-wise, are the discounts on CARP home and auto insurance. That seems to be the, the biggest thing people have interest on. And then coming up for the, uh, the snowbirds, the winter travel season, they're asking about our travel insurance products as well. Getting ahead of the crowd before the winter rush, there's always discounts on travel insurance in the summer season. So check the carp.ca website for full details. On the advocacy side, what are the biggest things that are coming up? People are still talking about old age security, the changes that were made in the last omnibus bill and how they can... Uh, talk to their members of parliament to get things changed. Okay, and uh, my final question to you, Anthony, would you like to uh, hum a few bars of Love Me Tender or anything? Oh, love me tender, love me true, never let me go. Uh, okay, I think that's enough. <laughs> love me tender, love me sweet, never let me go. That was Elvis Presley singing Love Me Tender. I'm Libby Snymer, and that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I hope you'll be back here next Sunday at noon 
And please keep listening to the new AM740 today for plenty of music by the King. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.